I want to thank Les Williams for preaching for us last Sunday morning. He preached for the book of Hebrews, and it was a magnificent sermon. And if you have not heard it, if you missed out last week, please go to our website and listen to that great message. And thank you, Les, for preaching for us. I also want to thank Brian and Lindsay Patrick and their children for giving us our welcome this morning and for reading the scripture. And I hope you kept your Bibles open to Galatians chapter 1. As today, we begin a series uh, on the glory of the gospel from the book of Galatians. And today we'll talk about Don't Go Back, an introduction to Galatians and the glory of the gospel. I was reading some history not too long ago. I love history, particularly American history. And I was reading uh, a story in the years that preceded the Civil War. And I saw a headline to this story that said, Freed Slave Voluntarily Returns to Slavery. And I thought, why in the world would anybody do that? So with the title having captured me, I read the story. And it was the story about a slave named Kanye, who lived in North Carolina, was owned by a white man on a plantation in North Carolina. And unbeknownst to me, I discovered lots of things. There were ways in which, on rare occasions, slaves could be set free in those days. If a slave earned enough money, he could pay his master and be released as a slave. And that's what Kanye did. He earned enough money, paid his master, and was set free, made his way north, got into Maryland, and he had a plan. And his plan was to work hard, earn enough money to purchase the freedom for his wife and his children. However, Kanye discovered pretty early on that that was going to be next to impossible. He was not able to find work from which he could get enough money. And he also found that the legal system was set against him. And it was going to be almost impossible for him to purchase the freedom of his wife and children. So Kanye was faced with a very major decision. Do I stay a free man with the understanding that I will likely never see my wife and children again? Or do I go through the system and the courts to be returned to slavery back to North Carolina and to be with my wife and with my children? And that's the decision Kanye made. What a difficult decision that must have been to go through that legal process to be returned, but as I thought about it, I thought I love my wife so much and I love my children so much that I would like to think that I would have made that same decision to return to slavery in order to be with my family. Well, in Galatians, the Apostle Paul is going to address that issue from another direction. He is going to say there are some of you in the early Galatian church who are returning to legalism even though you have experienced the freedom of Christ, and Paul will say, why in the world are you doing such a thing? Why spiritually are you returning to slavery once you've been set free in Christ Jesus? So that's what we're going to look at in, in the book of Galatians. So as we think about the book of Galatians, kind of an introduction today, I want to give you a quote, and here's what it says. The epistle to the Galatians is my epistle. To it, I am as it were in wedlock. It is my Catherine. End of quote. That was a statement written by the great reformer Martin Luther, whose wife's name was Catherine. 
And he was saying, I love the book of Galatians. Feel like I'm married to Galatians. In fact, Luther said that Galatians was the best of all the books in the Bible. And it became known as uh, the battle cry of the Reformation and the Magna Carta of spiritual emancipation. Now, we find that Galatians affirms Christian liberty. It becomes the cornerstone of, of the Protestant faith along with the epistle to the Romans. And it gives a forceful answer to this question. So here's the key. Listen to this question. Galatians answers it. Are we saved by believing or achieving? Are we saved by believing or achieving? Galatians grabs legalism by the throat. Are we made righteous by the work of Christ or by our works? If you were to take a poll in our nation today, which Lifeway has done, which Barna has done, and were to ask people, how is it that you can be certain that you are going to heaven, that you have eternal life, that you are saved? And we find that in all of those polls, the same thing is reflected. The majority will answer with some works-based answer, such as, well, if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, if the good things that I do in life outweigh the sin that I do in life, then I know that God is a God of love and he's going to accept me into his kingdom. And sometimes they'll add Jesus to that or God to that. So, well, you got to believe in God plus, or you got to believe in Jesus plus works or church membership or baptism or the Lord's Supper or, 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 or whatever. And so that is exactly what Paul is addressing in the book of Galatians. So getting started, let's ask, um, let's ask some questions. First of all, who wrote Galatians? Well, I've already said Paul. Well, where do, how do we know that? Verse one. And then again, in chapter five, verse two, Paul identifies himself as the author of the book of Galatians. When was it written? About 49 or 50 AD, likely Paul's very first epistle. And it followed his first missionary journey. One of the earliest books written in the New Testament. To whom was it written? Well, it was written to the churches of Galatia. Now, the Galatians were a tribe of people from Gaul, modern-day France, who had migrated to what is now the northern part of modern-day Turkey. But as the Romans spread their empire into what we now know as Turkey, they named the entire Asian portion of Turkey Galatia. So everyone in that, part, in that sector became known as Galatian people. And that's where Paul made his first missionary journey to the south of Galatia, to places like Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Derby, Italia, and, and other, other locations. This was a circular letter. And by that we mean it was sent to one of those churches. It would be read publicly at a worship service and then would be circulated or taken to one of the other Galatian churches. And the same thing would happen there until it had made a complete circle and been read by all of the Galatian churches. Well, why did Paul write Galatians? Well, we know he's led by the Holy Spirit, but there was a motivating reason why Paul wrote this letter to the churches in Galatia. A group of Jewish believers who claimed to be Christ followers, given the name Judaizers, had come to Galatia and they were preaching and they were teaching and they were talking and they were 
debating and they were convincing many that you're not saved by faith in Christ alone, but you're saved by faith plus. In this instance, the practice of Judaism or the Old Testament rituals or sacrifices, even circumcision. Ouch. And so Paul is addressing that issue that these Judaizers have come and, and they're leading the believers in Galatia and the churches astray. Now think of the date. I shared the date 49 to 50 AD. That's less than 20 years after Jesus ascended back to heaven. So already in such a brief period of time, the church is in, in danger. And this epistle is an example of why doctrine is important to ensure purity and integrity of the church. Okay, so those are some questions that we ask. Now, if we're going to talk about the gospel and the glory of the gospel, then let's give a definition to the word gospel. Okay, that'd be a good place to go. So the word gospel means good news. In the Greek, it's a word euangelion. We get our word evangelism or evangelist or evangelize from that Greek word. And it literally means good news. So the gospel is good news. Now let's give this definition to the good news. The saving work of God in his son Jesus. The saving work of God in his son Jesus and a call to faith in him. Jesus is not simply the messenger of the gospel. He is the gospel. His life his teaching, his death, his resurrection declare the good news of God. Okay, now, having given a definition to the word gospel as we think about the glory of the gospel, then let's think about some key words that we're going to encounter all through Galatians. The first key, there, there are four of them that we'll look at very quickly. The first one is grace. The word grace. God's free and sovereign act of mercy. Now, remember the word sovereign means basically God will do what God chooses to do in keeping with his word, in keeping with that which brings him glory, and in keeping with his plan for us. So, God's free and sovereign act of mercy in granting salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus, totally apart from any human work or merit. Now, some of you are taking notes and you're thinking, whoa, so let me say it one more time. Grace is God's free and sovereign act of mercy in granting salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus, totally apart from any human work or merit. Okay, so first key word, grace. Second key word, peace. Grace and peace go together in Paul's writings. Peace. Peace, church, is a settled possession that is ours from God because of grace. And this peace gives us confidence to face today and tomorrow. So this peace can be defined as an absence of conflict and harmony with God. Okay, we've got a definition for grace, a definition for peace. So our third key word is justification or justify or justice or just. And justification is a legal term. So I want you to picture yourself in a, in, a, in a courtroom. You're a sinner and you're the defendant. 
God is the judge. The trial proceeds and God acquits you. Doesn't say you're innocent. Rather, God acquits you in spite of overwhelming, irrefutable evidence of your guilt. And then he shocks the court by declaring you righteous. That is, you are declared right with God. How? Why? Well, the answer to that is because of your faith in the saving work of your attorney, your advocate, your redeemer, Jesus the Christ. You know Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We quote that verse and we say, that settles it. Yes, it does. But before Ephesians was ever written, Galatians was written and Galatians settles it. Now, here's the fourth word. Faith. Faith. Faith means trust. Or it literally means to lean your whole weight upon. So, let me illustrate this. And I remember using this illustration years ago in Evangelism Explosion, which was a way of sharing the gospel. I'm sitting in this chair, and let's pretend that this chair represents me, my works, my goodness, um, and maybe it, it represents things I'm trusting in, like church membership or baptism or the Lord's Supper or something like that. So right now, I'm my whole weight is on this chair, which basically represents me and my works. Well, to trust or to have faith means I shift my entire weight from myself and what I've been trusting in over to this chair, which represents Jesus. And I put all my weight and all my trust in him. That's what trust means to lean your whole weight upon. And so we lean our whole weight upon Jesus and don't think I've changed my mind, even though I'm going to shift back to the chair in which I, I started. So those are our key, our key words. And Paul is writing because some things are worth defending. And, and Paul believes that salvation by faith alone in Christ alone is worth defending. And, and that's what he's doing. So let's set the stage for the rest of the book. Paul is saying, I am Paul, an apostle. Now, to be an apostle, by definition, three things must apply to you to be an apostle. The first is that you must have been a constant companion of Jesus from his baptism to his ascension. The second qualification is you must have been an eyewitness to the resurrected Jesus for those 40 days following his resurrection, before his ascension. And then the third qualification for being an apostle is that you must be a recipient of the Holy Spirit given by Jesus himself, as we read in John 20, where he breathed the Holy Spirit into and upon his his disciples. Paul does not qualify for any of those three things, but the scripture tells us that he has a he has an apostleship by a special dispensation from Christ himself. An apostle is one who's commissioned to deliver a message, and Paul was commissioned to deliver the message of Jesus Christ, and he defends his apostleship vigorously throughout the book of Galatians and in other epistles. So let me give you a modern version of, of the way Paul might word it if this were happening today. 
Paul might say, don't mess with me. I'm an apostle of Jesus. I have something to say. I am mad and you're going to listen. That's pretty what, much what Paul was telling the churches in Galatia. If you served in the military or you're familiar with that, you may have heard the term incoming. And what that means is there are rockets coming, there are missiles coming, there's somebody shooting, incoming, hit the ground and look out. Well, okay, Paul's getting ready to lob some grenades, so we might want to say incoming and get yourself ready, church in Galatia, for what Paul is about to say. So as we look at verses 3 through 5, here's the gospel. Can you see its glory? Now here it is. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Grace and peace from God through Jesus Christ. Grace is the reason for the good news. Peace is the result of the good news. Grace is God's unmerited favor. Peace is harmony with God. In verse 4, we see um, the price, the purpose, and the plan for what Jesus did. The price was he gave himself. The purpose was to rescue us. And the plan was according to God's will. God has done it all based on the finished work of Jesus and to him be the glory. So take a deep breath. We're Texans, a lot of us watching this today, probably the vast majority of us watching are Texans. So we've all heard and used the term, don't mess with Texas. When we say that, we mean it, don't mess with Texas. Paul is saying to Galatia, don't mess with the gospel. And in verses 6 through 9, and I've attached A words to all of this, he says, I am an astonished, angry, apostolic author. In this circular letter read in the churches, no doubt it stings to hear this. Paul says, I'm astonished, I'm shocked, I'm blown away, I'm angry, I'm an apostle, and I'm the writer, I'm the author, and I can't believe what is happening. Believers, maybe entire churches, are turning away from the gospel to no gospel, as Paul puts it. And, and see how quickly that can happen. It's only 49 or 50 AD, less than 20 years after Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, and already there are those departing from the gospel. So, Paul makes an accusation, and to this we move to the end. Paul makes an accusation, and the accusation is apostasy. He's mad. He accuses the Galatian churches of apostasy. The word apostasy means desertion. Desertion is a serious word, whether you're deserting your post in the military, whether you're deserting your country, whether you're deserting your family or whether you're deserting Christ, it's a serious word. And these Judaizers have come in and they have said, it is Christ plus. It is Christ plus Jewish law. It is Christ plus sacrifices. It is Christ plus circumcision. For us today, it might be Christ plus baptism, Christ plus church membership, Christ plus the Lord's Supper, Christ plus our our, our good works. And, and Paul says, how has this happened so quickly? The gospel is no longer the gospel. Grace plus is an impossibility. 
There can't be grace plus. That's an oxymoron. Grace plus. It's impossible. That's no longer the gospel. How did this happen? Well, I, I don't know if maybe the threat of persecution was shaking the church. I don't know if they just weren't grounded in, in scriptural teaching and the teaching of, of Paul. I don't know if if their problem was that age-old feeling like I got to do something to earn myself to be right with God. I don't know what was happening, but we do see the results. And, and in verses 8 and 9, Paul says you can't change the gospel. Nobody can. I can't. An angel can't. Nobody can change the gospel. And Why would you want to? So in the Greek, he uses the word anathema. We might say anathema. And that means cursed. That's a strong, strong word. And he uses it twice in the text that the Patrick's read for us earlier. And so we come to verse 10 and, and the final thought, a question that Paul asks, are you a people pleaser or a servant of Christ? Good question, isn't it? It's been easy for Paul just to say, ah, you know, I don't want to make waves. I don't want to stir things up. Everybody likes me. Let's let's keep letting it go like that. No, Paul said, I'm not a people pleaser. I'm a servant of Christ. Therefore, I have to speak up. The Galatians are not simply changing churches. They were deserting the very grace of God. That's alarming. It's alarming today. You know, Barna and uh, Lifeway have done polls and, and they have published results and they are telling us that in our, in our churches three out of four of our youth are leaving the church after they go off to college those those who do go off to college that's alarming and that is that that is that is shocking so it was alarming then it's alarming now and paul is saying why has there been such a ready acceptance of those who have come in to pervert the gospel among you so this sets the groundwork for the entire journey through the epistle to the Galatians. So let me finish it up this way. I don't know where you are. I'm guessing most of you watching are in Bell County. You're part of our church or you're familiar with our church and you've tuned in today. And we're so glad that you have. Others of you, however, may be watching from somewhere else in Texas or somewhere else in the United States or even another country. And we're so glad that you've tuned in. But here's the question. Do you belong to Jesus? And if you know the answer to that is no, or you're not certain, then I want to plead with you tonight. Come to Christ. Come to Christ. Call out to him. Jesus, I acknowledge you as Lord. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Jesus, I place my faith in you to rescue me. And I ask you to come into my life and give me the gift of eternal life because from this day forward, I want to follow you. If you do that, I hope you'll let us know. Look at the screen of ways to contact us. I hope you'll let us know. That's the first thing tonight. Give your life to Christ if you haven't already done that. Second thing I want to say is if you're a believer in Christ, don't go back to slavery. Don't go back to the old way of life. Don't go back to the way things used to be. Don't return to legalism or some other way of living. Don't do it. The third thing I want to say is know the scripture. When we know the scripture, then that's the best insurance we have against being led astray by something that's not true. And then the fourth and final thing that I want to say is, believer, announce the good news. Announce the good news that sets people.
people free. Well, church, I love you. I appreciate you so much. I can't wait till we're together again. So I want you to watch the screen as we close this morning. Something a little different. You're going to see some prayer points. And I want you to pray through those, think through those for just a few moments. You may want to jot them down. And then you'll come back and I'll lead us in our benediction from the book of Jude. Thank you. My wife Sharon and I appreciate you so much joining us today from our backyard. Welcome. We love having guests and we love having you in our backyard for this service today. So now, church, let me pronounce the benediction that we've been using for all these weeks since we last were able to meet together. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.